Hello and welcome to the Child Care Business Coach Podcast. My name is Evelyn Knight. I am joined with somebody I've been working with for many years, actually, here locally in the state of Nevada. She has been very influential on my child care center's success and growth. Uh, I think, Rachel, when we first started working together, I think Zuin was a two-star center. And I yeah. think, yeah, well, I, th- I think you might have been a coach at the time, but you have watched us grow to where we are today. Um, so before I get too deep into it, Rachel McKinney, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to my audience? Well, I'm Rachel McKinney, and um, I've been in the field for a really long time. If I say how long, well, it's like over 25 years. I'm And uh, I've been doing early childhood education in one form or another for, you know, all that time. Um, Worked with centers like Evelyn's to bring up quality with QRIS. Worked with early Head Start. I've done Montessori. I've done Reggio schools. I've I've been in this field for a long time. So So you are really good at seeing quality. Like you understand what the quality should look like, what it is. Yeah. And I know that's a lot of my experience with you um, and our growth as we worked together. And as you were overseeing the QRIS system, which for those of you who aren't in Nevada, it is our quality rating. That is our STARS program here in Nevada. Um, And Rachel was really instrumental in our own growth and development. We also had one of the most amazing coaches that we just, I will forever honor Miss June um, was just amazing and um, just changed. I think she just changed the trajectory of my career, to be honest. So I think Brandy would say the same thing, but um, just to have to pay tribute to June on that. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to talk about a a couple of gosh, it's been a couple months, right? It, It feels like time is just flying right now, but I, Rachel and I both presented at, um, a early childhood advisory council, little mini conference that we both had an opportunity to speak at. And as I heard Rachel speaking, I knew I was going to work with her one day. I actually went back to Brandy and it's, it's kind of funny. It's ironic because we've worked together for years, kind of almost parallel and together Mm -hmm. at the same time in Nevada, me as an owner, you as part of the public sector who really helps centers understand the importance of quality. But when I heard you speaking that day, I knew, I knew I had to get you in my ecosystem uh, here for childcare business professionals, because I realized you have what I call that it factor. You get it. You get where we need to go and where early childhood really needs to go, because we really need to put what is best for the children first. And I just, I saw that passion in you that day. And I knew, um, I told Brady, like, we're working with her, like I'm bringing (laughs) her in one day. I, and I still plan to. So part of the reason I invited Rachel here is to announce that she is going to be coming in on a consultation basis somewhat as one of our master coaches, So for my members, for those of you who um, want Rachel's expertise, we're going to dive into that a little bit today. She's going to be available as one of our master coaches. And I could not be more thrilled. Like I said, her work with Zooing Around is one of the reasons we went from a two-star 
And we actually scored high enough to be a five-star program. But until I get that NACI accreditation completed, <laughs> I don't get that fifth star. So that's why we will be getting that NACI. Uh, we're actually almost there. So, um, but you were so influential on that. So let's talk about just what is it? When I say that you had that it factor, what is that to you? Oh my gosh. Um, by the way, I'm flattered. <laughs> That's quite the intro. Um, the it, I, I'm not really sure. Um, I think a lot of it is experience. Like I said, I've been doing this a long time. Um, my first job in childcare, um, I thought I knew everything because I was 18 yeah. and I'd babysat. So I thought, I know how to work with kids. And I remember I uh, was working in an infant room and I put um, like a, a toddler in timeout. And my director was like, hey, 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 <laughs> let, me, yes. let me talk to you a little bit about this. And that kind of went, oh, you mean there's more to this whole field? It's not just babysitting. And so that kind of started my uh, trajectory. But I think experience, definitely the education and um, just seeing what works. And also as a classroom teacher, um, I know that happy hum that children, you know, when you're in a classroom and they're just buzzing along and there's joy and there's laughter, um, that really, uh, to me, that's everything. That's a successful uh, classroom. And so yeah. I, I guess that would be the it. Um, that maybe I'm looking for when I'm coaching or working with programs. Um, you know, you can have all the materials, you can have all the, the, yes, the interest centers, but if there's not, um, joyful curiosity and, and, you know, happy learning happening, then, um, the, all those toys are, are for not are useless. Yeah. And for me, a lot of it was just the fact that, that you really understand that the magic is in allowing the kids to be kids, not stealing that from, I feel like we're stealing childhood from children. And that's actually, so I just told you before we started recording that I actually was booked for two different TED Talks, which I'm thrilled about. But that's literally what I'm talking about is that we are stealing childhood from young children and we need to give it back. And right. the importance of just playing. That's it. Right. I know you brought up Dr. Peter Gray and his work, but it's understanding that we're so caught up on the academics and pushing these children too fast, too far, too soon. And that's not what they need. And we need to get back to a place where we're putting them first instead of treating them like trophies. Right. Absolutely. And I think you saw me talking about play and that's probably my most passionate, fired up, um, you know, get me going on play because it's true. It's lacking. And, um, you know, it's like you want this academic push, like you were saying, and it's like, you can't jump the line. You, you have to start with mm -hmm. where children are are at where they're curious and then that can lead to academics. But, um, yeah, you can't, you can't push. I just, uh, I think play, you know, we, back in the nineties that we were all about play. We we're all about emergent curriculum and really, mm -hmm. you know, taking interest in what the children were doing and going from there. And then, I don't know, there was a big, you know, 360. Yeah. And it's like, no, push, 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 drive, drive, drive. And yep. 
that probably had to do with no child left behind where teachers were being, you know, their career was basically on the line if, uh, if their kids didn't score right. So play is definitely taken a back seat, but we're seeing the need because children are more depressed than ever. They're more anxious than ever. And it's really, they have no idea how to play and how to solve problems and how to interact with each other. And, you know, kindergarten teachers have worked in pre-K for so long. Kindergarten teachers are saying, you know what, we'll get the the alphabet. We'll get the, the mathematics, what we need them coming into our classrooms, knowing how to socialize. Yes. And no play. So yeah, what you said about childhood is being stripped away. Um, you know, childhood used to last a long time, like 11, 12 to 14 12. years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now it's like, sadly, the, it's pretty yeah. much over when they enter first grade. Yep. And uh, that's heartbreaking. That is it, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it really is. And I think that's why like you just really resonated with me. And I realized that you get it. It's not about the test scores. It's not about getting them to read before they even get to kindergarten because it, it doesn't work. And if anything, it is counterproductive. The United States is uh, currently, um, oh my goodness, I can't remember. It's 33. Third, I think, in the world for education. Oh, right. And yeah, when you look at where we rank in the world, honestly, it's pathetic. We right. should be number one, but we're so far behind. And when you look at the data and things like the preschool to prison pipeline and all the data that's out there, it's pretty obvious that it all comes down to the p- fact that we have stripped children of play. The um, top countries in the world, they're curriculums are social and emotionally based curriculums that are basically play-based. If you look at like Finland, Sweden, those are top nations, right? And it's just the freedom the children have there is just beautiful. And uh, instead, we're so focused on checking the boxes instead of giving the children what they need. An outdoor play the experience in nature. Um, so many of the other countries, they, you know, and, and as a former QRS coach, we would get so excited if, if we saw teachers having children out for 30 minutes, we're like, you need at least 30 minutes. And that, if you think about that's probably in their entire day, these children who come to school at 7am and leave at 6pm. And we're like, did you give them 30 minutes of outdoor play, you know, in nature? And that, that is kind of sad because, Again, that's lacking in, in childhood, and we need that connection with nature. And um, I, I heard a wonderful quote from an indigenous educator who is also a naturalist, and she said, you need connection before curriculum. And oh, absolutely. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Um, Monique Grace Smith, I think is her name. I started a, oh. a teacher Tom conference, but... Um, and it's true. We don't, we're not connecting with each other. We're not connecting with nature. We're not connecting with childhood, but yet we're expected to jump right into curriculum. And um, it's, a, right. yeah, it's a sorry state, but I think there's hope I, oh, I do too. because there's people like you and like um, a lot of our colleagues and peers that are really trying to push back and say, no, yes. we know what's best for children and it's time you listen. Yes. Well, and I think a lot of it is the commercialization of 
preschool and, and childcare. Mm-hmm. Like, so, and that's part of the reason I, um, oh, there's so many reasons I launched childcare business professionals, but one of the things I realized is that we've allowed the commercialization to hijack this industry. And it's honestly, if those of you owners who are listening right now are watching us are honest with yourself, I, you really need to ask yourself, where is the priority? Is it really uh, that, you've been pushed by the pressure of parents to perform and it becomes more about the money than it does about what is best for the children. And I can tell you, I was once an owner. I was a terrified owner and I felt like I have to do this performance because parents aren't going to come to my center. If I don't, I have to have the photocopied sheets. I have to have the flashcards. I have to have, you know, the, um, phonics, the trendy curriculums and, you know, all the trendy computer programs that are out there that we stick children in front of the screen time. And then one day I just, I couldn't do it. And I thought, you know what, this isn't me. If I go bankrupt, I go bankrupt, but I, I just, I wasn't standing behind my conviction. Right. You're and like, this is a facade. I, yes. It was just for their parents. I, I knew it. It's right. I actually call them at zoo and I call them people, parent pleasers. Mm-hmm. And I finally got to the point where I sat down with my team and said, you know what? I'm done. I can't do these parent pleasers anymore. Instead, we need to start educating parents because parents honestly do want what's best for their children. But they see what's on TV, what's commercialized, this and that, and they just don't know. So when we come from a place and start really educating them, it's amazing. And that's when Zoom went from literally failing and facing bankruptcy to now I have a 1300 child wait list. So it's kind of, I know for a lot of you owners out there, it feels so scary because you think parents aren't going to come if I'm not super academic. But I've learned now that the opposite is true. When you put the children first, the results become so clear that you just, it's really become the springboard to our success. Well, and I'm seeing, again, as a pre-K coach, you know, so we have these pre-K programs that are, you know, getting them ready for kindergarten, Mm -hmm. whatever that is supposed to mean. And there's a, there's an idea I think that people have that getting ready for kindergarten means basically having a mini kindergarten for exactly yeah and it's like why would we replicate a system that's failing kids right and left anyways you know I mean the the K through 12 system it's not good I don't know too many people that have a good experience and so why would you want to replicate that on these youngest learners who still have joy who still have you know hopes and and um and they're excited about going to school why would you do that to them yes yes (laughs) it's funny I had a conversation with a mom at Zuin once and she was a former teacher And she just was not happy. And and it was somebody that Brandy actually referred to me because she's like, I don't know how to talk to this mom. I don't know what to say. But she actually, her son was in pre-K and she just said, well, you're not doing this. And we do this as a kindergarten teacher and we do this and this and this and this. And I had to stop her. And I said, wait, stop. You're a former teacher, right? Well, yes. Why Why former? Why did you quit? Yeah. Why former? (laughs) Secondly, I said, do you think that the quality of the United States K through 12 system is good, let alone Nevada? I mean, (laughs) when you think about, I love Nevada and we're working really hard, but when you, we're we're down there, 
Yeah, we're 33rd nation in the world and at the 50th state in the 33rd nation. And I, I literally said the, to her, I said, do you really think I'm going to model my program after the a school system that is 33rd in the world and then the 50th state? Like, no, not going to do it instead. And I explained to her, I said, no, instead I've modeled what I do after what's number one in the world within whatever the legal remedy, you know, I still have to follow the licensing. I can't follow a hundred percent, but I said, that is why zooming around is the way it is. That's why I don't want it to look anything like kindergarten or the K through 12 system at all. Right. I, I told her, I want better for your children. And she just, it's like the light bulb went off and she's like, Oh my gosh, you're right. And she's like, actually said to me, I got so burnt out as a teacher. I just felt like I couldn't help the children anymore. So as soon as I became a mom, I quit. And I just like, exactly. Then why would we model our. And when I was a, a preschool teacher, I laughed every day, like yes, as, as an adult. And it's like, that should be the standard. It's like, are you having a joyful experience as a, as a teacher, as an ad, admin, as a child, those should be number one in the forefront. Are you laughing? Are you, are you like, experiencing joy and um, curious and investigating yeah. those things. And as an educator, I think that's what fuels you, you know, and you can't do that when you're constantly going, wait, I got to make this assessment. I got to do that. You know, um, exactly. Yes. Yes. I and mean, those I, things, they have their place, you know, there's, I agree. There's, Absolutely. Yeah. It's good to, to know where your children are Absolutely. doing natural observations and things like that. But when it's the driving force yes. for everything that yes. you do, for why you wake up in the morning, I don't know any teacher that says, no. yeah, I'm ready to go assess today. You know? it, well, exactly. It's funny because I have uh, every school year without fail, I get a bunch of Head Start teachers who try to come to work for me. And <laughs> it, it's at every single time that is the reason. Head Start is an excellent program. It is so high quality. But what they end up doing, they bog their teachers down in so much of that data that yeah. the teachers lose their joy. And what happens to the children if the teachers are coming to work dreading the afternoon, right? Because the first part of the morning, they are with the children. But then the second half of the day, it's all paperwork. It's all mm -hmm. assessment. It's right. all that they really just start resenting their job. And then the next that is going to spill over to the children. Right. It's going to become contagious. They're now they're not happy with their jobs. They're not fulfilling that time for the children. So yeah, I agree. I mean, that's something in the private sector that we have power for. It's again, why I do what I do, because I realized, uh, and I think I told you about how I was on so many committees, yeah. and I was trying to really get into these different committees throughout the government. And I just realized because of the bureaucracy and the red tape, a lot of these different organizations, their hearts are in the right place. They are trying so hard to do what's best, but the bureaucracy takes so long for yeah. anything to happen that I think after about four years, I was on one specific committee. Well, between Brady and I, it was about four to six years. And I looked at like from beginning to like literally four years later, and nothing had been done. Yeah, yeah, right. Nothing. The dial was not moved at all. Yeah. Nothing. No, it's these grassroots folks that are like almost anarchists. Like, nope, we're going to play. We're going to play. You know, I, I said earlier, teacher Tom is a big inspiration for me. I don't know yes. if you're familiar with him, but it's very much 
focused on the child. And I think that's what it's going to take these grassroots folks that are just pushing back and saying, exactly. no, yep. we have a different idea. We know what's best. We have the science, the research to, to show this. We know what's best for children. So, yep. And I've gone so far as I actually trademarked the phrase ECE revolution, because I ah. know it is time for us to do a revolution. And let me see if I have the book here, but I, at my summit last month or two months ago, time is going by so fast. I interviewed um, an amazing woman, Liz Huntley, and I don't have the book in here. I think it's in my house. But Liz is, if for any of you listening, get the book. It's More Than a Bird by Liz Huntley. She is really the poster child for why we need to focus on the children and just show up with love, nurturing, and allow them to be children. She tells her story in the book. And I, I actually interviewed her a few, uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's probably been about eight weeks at this point. But um, she she told a story about how ECE literally changed the tra trajectory of her life. She was uh, brought up in just literally the slums. Her dad was in prison for, uh, as a drug dealer, her mom committed suicide. She was living with her grandma who was in absolute poverty. She was getting molested daily at four years old. Wow. And she went into her childcare program and she said, well, the things that she described were just literally things that our teachers do every day. She described how it changed her life and literally the trajectory of her entire life because somebody was there every morning to say, good morning, how are you? Because somebody was actually there to have conversations with her, who played with her. And she even talks about how they weren't saying, like, it wasn't the ABCs and it wasn't like all this shoving the information down her throat. It's the love and the nurturing and the time that she was allowed to just be a child. That, that literally... Yes, the connection for but sure. But the book actually illustrates how it all worked. Like she actually says, this is what they did. And because of that, this is how it affected me in elementary school. This is how it affected me in middle school. She actually ended up um, graduating. I can't remember with some kind of honors and now is a lawyer in Georgia who advocates for ECE. Right because on. it had such an impact on her life. And she attributes all of it to her ECE teachers. And when I heard her story, I realized, wow, that's just the job my teachers do every day. That literally changed this woman's life. And well, you're, you're lucky that you have those teachers that are that that have that resiliency impact. Yes. Where, you know, not all ECE teachers uh, are, are that way. And right. Uh, you know, so I, I think more training, more education, yes. more, you know, coaching for sure mm -hmm. um, can help them become those kind of teachers and know? leaders out there. I love what you just said, Rachel. I really, really want my leaders to listen to what Rachel just said. Your teachers need you. They are not going to do this on their own. You can't expect them just to become this. This is training. It is coaching. It's really helping to come alongside them to grow. And if that's something you need help with, that's what we're here for. That is what Child Care Business Professionals does. We can come alongside you, your teachers. I help train you to become that leader that can give this to your teachers. And people like Rachel, I have Prana Richards. Uh, we've got Rachel and Shaylin, who's probably watching and listening. We have people who can come alongside your centers and help your teachers learn these things so they can be these people who help 
children like Liz grow up to break generational chains. We have that kind of power in early childhood education and we need to own it and step into it. And I honestly, for you owners and directors out there, this is your responsibility. We work with children. It is our responsibility to do this for them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it kind of goes full circle back to my first job when I put the toddler in timeout thinking that I, that was good at, you know, um, learning experience. And I had a great mentor who yes. could have just, you know, pushed me on and said, don't do that and whatever. But I, she really worked with me about the whys and the, you know, developmentally appropriate. And um, so that changed my path for sure. Just having somebody coach me and, yes. and you know, because it, it, there is some natural aspect to it, you know, um, being an educator, but definitely you've got to have somebody championing in you or championing yeah. you. And it takes patience for as a leader, we have to understand. I mean, I think you just gave the perfect example. These teachers don't know. Like for me, it is my policy time not timeout is not allowed because it doesn't work. And for those of you who still use it in your centers, I want to ask you, what have you taught the children? You're actually accomplishing nothing, right? But if you want a behavior to truly stop, you have to replace the behavior with something more positive. But how are your teachers supposed to know, how are they going to do that without the skills, right? That is something as leaders that we need to train. And if you don't know, that's okay too. You just need the training as well. So any last thoughts, Rachel? Um, no, just thanks for letting me talk about play and curiosity and my passion and, you know, um, having this opportunity. Yes, I'm so excited that you're going to be on board. And then just one last announcement for everybody. I finished the planner. I've actually created a planner for early childhood leaders. And um, I'm super, super excited just trying to help all of you out there just have less stress. Because one of my big goals and accomplishments is I want you in your classrooms more. So directors and owners, if you're going to make this magic happen, we need to get you out of your offices and into the classrooms. We need you doing observations, coaching. We need you helping just facilitate your teacher's learning, right? And so one of the things we've done is I've created a planner to help you guys see how we do this at Zoom Around. We literally plan our entire year in advance. And um, in January 14th, and then I believe it's the 16th. So 14th live at Zoom Around, I'm going to be training and helping you guys plan your year. Rachel's going to actually be there. Um, we're also going to be touring zooming around so you guys can see why our classrooms are set up the way they are, why we do what we do. I understand not everybody can make it out here to Nevada. So if you want to just join us for the training session, then we are um, more than happy to have you on the virtual that I will be doing kind of an encore presentation um, on, oh my goodness, one, one of my team members can actually put it in the chat, but I believe it's on the 16th. It's actually on a Martin Luther King Jr. Day that I'll be training on how to use it. And of course, you can also just purchase the planner uh, and we will have recordings too. So you, you will be able to also purchase the recording. Um, I've literally taken our process and turned it into an annual planner for everybody out there. So hopefully you guys take advantage of that because my goal is to free your time so you can be in your classrooms more. So thank you, Rachel. Have a great rest of your day.